Praise the Lord, saints. I'm sorry for the disconnect. We got disconnected there for a moment. Hopefully, you guys are seeing the live and we'll be able to jump back on. Otherwise, we'll catch the recording. Students, if you did check present before we were in the, in the previous live, don't sweat it. You'll be counted present for today as well. Um, so uh, I did get to hear, by the way, the powerful testimony from Ernest. And I did get to hear Pastor C share as well as they were both sharing um, from different perspectives of ministry and about the ministries. Um, so we're going to jump right into the material now, saints, as I see you all jumping back on. I see a few of you have gotten back on. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. So a bit about the school for those of you, again, who've come on to audit. Um, one of the reasons why we do have Pastor C and Ernest here is that if any one of us runs into any technical difficulties, um, they're able to take over and they did an excellent job of taking over. Amen. So I see all of you jumping back on. Praise God. Praise God. Today we're covering lesson five. So we've already done five lessons. Okay, we're already moving through the book of Genesis. Um, anybody measuring the time would say at this pace, we're not going to get through the whole Bible. But what we did was we started off slow and we're going to ramp it up. So a lot of you know about the supplemental books that need to be had for this semester. Those supplemental books are being moved to the next semester. Give me time for new students who are coming on to catch up. We have some students coming in from the church Philly. We want to give them a chance also to catch up. Um, we have uh, open enrollment, so there are people still enrolling. We're going to give them some time to catch up. And then by the time you guys roll into semester two, we will then be starting to use the book Training for Service, okay? And we will also be using Through the Bible in a Year. And in year two, there are some, there is some other, assess, excuse me, in, in um, semester two, um, there'll also be some additional Bible readings for the book of Exodus, okay? So, saints, welcome. Uh, my wife is putting up the scriptures that were for today. And because we got disconnected, um, and we got disconnected, we're probably not going to use that recording of the disconnected portion. We are going to use this one. We're going to ask Pastor C to open us up in prayer before we go into the word for this particular recording. Father God, we just thank you for being faithful and bringing us back, Lord God. We thank you for all the studying and learning that we're going to use in this session. Lord God, I ask that you open the minds of your saints, open the minds of your children to receive what you have for them today. Lord God, I ask that you put a special anointing and power on Apostle William right now so that he can articulate all of the secrets of the kingdom to your people, Lord God. I also think that you have thank you for helping me and Ernest to better assist him Lord God, in this training, Lord God, that you have given him, First Century Christ Church and Pastor Jennifer. We just thank you for all that you are and all that you're continuing to be for your children in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. He froze. Can you hear us, Apostle? Apostle, can you hear us? No. Oh, we can hear us, but we can't hear him. All right. Let's go into prayer again. Lord God, we have to cover the 
So praise the Lord. Um, I did mute you guys' side. Pay attention to that. So when you want to speak, you'll unmute your side only because degree of feedback. Praise the Lord. Um, but saints, don't worry. We're going to get this all worked out. The enemy's not going to get the victory here. So just endure. Show some grace. Show some patience. And you will be blessed. So let's just do a quick recap. We're going to do a quick recap. We're going to give uh, uh, Ernest Jones and, and, and Pastor C a chance also to, to, to feed into this recap. We want to make sure that we're learning the word of God where it's edifying our actual being. We want to make sure we're learning the word of God in such a way where we're being transformed into a greater likeness, into a greater person of Christ. That's that's the objective of learning the word of God. And so if we just cover these scriptures forensically, then, you know, you could go to pretty much any school for that. The reason why we launched this Divinity College is for the purpose of giving you the theological knowledge and some semblance of order but in a real-time awakening in the divine consciousness of the Holy Spirit. So in lesson one, we covered how God created man and in his image, and he made him male and female, and he gave him dominion and authority to operate as his agents in the natural realm. We also read about how man fell from grace, and in his falling from grace, he then lost the covering of the Holy Spirit, realized his physical nakedness, realized he no longer had covering, and under the covenant of death, Due to him eating the fruit, God made a promise through a prophecy that he gave to Satan. And inside that prophecy that he gave to Satan, he was determined to make sure that Satan knew he would be destroyed, but there would be a salvation that would come through a son, through an heir, through a deliverer. And that's Genesis 3.15. And the whole revealing of the rest of the Bible is Genesis 3.15. For I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. We see the bruising of the heel of Christ as him being on the cross and the crushing of the head is an ongoing action that's been going on since the last 2000 years as Christ crushes his head as a result of going to the cross until it ultimately leads blow in the end of the book of Revelation. We learned that the whole rest of the Bible is the fulfillment of that scripture. And in lesson two, we started to learn that God had become grieved at the behavior of man. And he decided that Noah was righteous in his time. And he used Noah to deliver man. And we learned about messianic theology, not only from Genesis 3.15, but also from the calling of Noah. For it was said that Noah was declared righteous, but his children and his wife were not said to have been righteous. 
So it was on the righteousness of Noah that his family was saved. So God was giving us that vision and understanding of salvation through a soul. Okay. Then we learned, we started learning in, about Abraham and all the struggles he went through in his faith. And now here we are beginning to discuss the life and death of Sarah and the life, the ongoing life of Abraham and the movements that resulted in Isaac becoming the new patriarch and the development of Isaac through the life and death of Abraham. So we're covering Genesis chapter 23 and we're covering it straight through chapter 25, Genesis chapter 23 through 25. And like I said, saints, you might feel like we're moving a little bit slow now, but it's just to give people a chance to catch up as they catch up then we're going to really start to move in power and you're going to start to really dive into a lot more reading. So take advantage now of the smaller reading assignments. Amen. So uh, the first thing is, and also I want to emphasize this, we're supposed to be reading these scriptures in advance. So those of you auditing the class, they did post here what the scriptures are that we're covering. Okay. And if you want to read them after the fact and then rewatch the, re the, the, the recording, that's fine. So you watch the recording now, then you read it. It'll give you a point of reference. Then maybe even could rewatch the recording and say, you know, wow, now I see what they were saying about certain items that they were, were talking about. But for the students who are actively part of the school right now, you're, have, you're supposed to have read the scriptures in advance so that we're really just covering the highlights in lecture, points you might have missed. Obvious points we probably won't cover in as much detail in this time slot. So Genesis chapter three starts off discussing the death of Sarah. And you can see the heart that Abraham had in Sarah's death, his determination to pay for the land that he would use to bury her, to pay for that cave. He didn't want it for free. We also saw the wisdom of Abraham saying, you know what? Not only do I want to pay for it, but I don't want anybody here to feel like they gave me something. I don't want to be indebted. They were trying to give him the land. And I feel like he was like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to be indebted to you. We pulled the same move with the king of Sodom, who was trying to give him wealth, too. And he didn't want to receive wealth from Sodom. So there was a degree of wisdom in Abraham, understanding his role and position, who to connect with and who not to connect with them. It's a powerful point that we can also learn from the patriarch about that. Also, we see that Abraham in chapter 24 uh, was getting old and he started to decide that, you know what? I better help my son get a wife. Back then it was arranged marriages. And so he says, I wanna make sure I help my son get a wife before I die. And so we're in chapter 24 and Isaac and Rebecca in the first verse, it says, Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant of his household, the one in charge of all he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife from my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living. So you can see that it was a very important thing for Abraham to settle accounts as far as taking care of his family, okay, before he passed away. Remember, Isaac's supposed to be a patriarch. He's supposed to give birth to a son. Do you have a calling in God in your life? Do you know how to avoid things that you know are not in association with that calling, no matter what material advantage it might provide you? 
Remember, you want to put yourself in these stories. You want to relate to them. If you were Adam, would you have eaten the fruit? If you were Noah, would you have preached for 120 years building an ark for rain you never saw before? If you were Abraham, would you have been willing to be called out of your home where you were safe and sound and go to some foreign land and do a foreign work with some foreign people, okay, off of a revelation he received from God? If you were offered opportunity to gain wealth, but the spirit was telling you, stay away from that wealth, it's going to end up uh, negative for the kingdom. Would you have the faith to reject that wealth like he did with the king of Sodom? Would you have had the wisdom to not allow someone to give you a free cave to bury your wife, knowing that this might also come back around to you at some point in time, that someone had done you a favor? Would you have had the wherewithal to know I'm a patriarch, my son needs to be a patriarch, before I depart, let me make sure God's work is set properly. Let's, let's make sure that God's position is firmly established for even when I'm no longer there. See, look at all these patriarchal wisdoms that Abraham was demonstrating. Look at all of this wisdom, and you have to put yourself in these stories of faith and power, okay? And ask yourself, am I prepared? Is my character prepared? Is my spirit prepared? As you're reading these scriptures about these great men of God, do I have this level of faith? Now, I'm not here to preach a sermon. We're in a school. But one of the problems we have with academic affliction over spiritual wisdom is they seem to, or I say academic affliction, but academics, period, over spiritual wisdom, they seem to be separated. We have a lot of people operating charismatically with very little knowledge, and then we got a lot of people with a lot of knowledge that don't operate charismatically. So we've got either the spirit or intelligence. But how many of you know the spirit is intelligent? Okay, so then we need to not only be reading these stories and getting into detail about understanding what the stories were really teaching, while at the same time allowing them to activate a movement of the spirit inside of us so that it's becoming an increasing wisdom in the glory. Amen. And you're gaining wisdom and you're gaining knowledge and it's edifying you and it's improving your discipleship. It's not just an exercise in reading, an exercise in reading comprehension, but you're actually growing under the full anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you're reading these stories, pay attention to them. Notice how Abraham didn't want to take anything from the Hittites. Notice how he was wise and didn't want his son to get a wife from the people of the nations that were around. Brother Jason made a statement. He was walking in the spirit. He was walking in the spirit with a purpose, not only even for his own life, because he didn't go serve rescue lot, okay, but for the lives of his family members. And not, and not only concerned for while he was alive, but he was setting the stage for even as he passed away. Praise the Lord. And so these are the things I see going on with Abraham all the way up to Isaac. And so before we go forward, I'll open it up. If the pastors, uh, uh, Pastor Ernest, or uh, I call it Pastor Ernest. You see, I'm, I might be prophesying there, bro. <laughs> uh, Ernest or Pastor C um, uh, have anything they want to impart before we move forward. You'd have to unmute yourself. Hello. Okay. Um, 
so when when you say uh move forward because i do have um, a couple things and just just off of my reading um especially in 22 uh, and 24 one thing um hey boys mommy need y'all to be a little quieter um so one thing that i think is interesting in reference to um isaac um and and, and rebecca in particular and how god um sent his angel how abraham was confident that god was going to send his angel before him to help him to help his slave um choose a wife for um isaac is the promise and the promise that was on rebecca's life and the promise that was on isaac's life were the same promise and i think that's something interesting that we find that sometimes that um you know if we think relationally um all right um, if we think relationally, that's that most of the time God put people, God puts people together who have the same type of promise on their lives. And so what I thought was interesting about that was if you look in 22 and you look at, um, you know, Genesis 22 and you look at um, verse, uh, let's see what verse this is. You look at verse 17, I mean, and it says, um, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand and um, that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now we know that this was a precursor to Jesus, but this, 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 this blessing fell directly also on Isaac. And if you think about, because the, the offspring would continue to come through the generations, but then when you find Rebecca being totally separate, not being blessed by uh, uh, God through Abraham, and when you see um, that she's about to leave and she's, you know, taken on to be his wife and she's like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to go, you know, be with this guy that I ain't never met. She, you know, she's hardcore. You get what I'm saying? And then so you get to 24 and then you read starting at verse 60 and it says her family blessed her. So as she was leaving, her family began to bless her. Now, you remember the blessing that I said was on Isaac's life in the previous uh verse and then he as they begin to bless her they said the same type of blessing that was on isaac's life it says and they blessed rebecca and said to her our sister may you become thousands of ten thousands and may your offspring what possess the gate of those who hate him and in the previous you said what may your offspring Shall, um um and in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and so both here you have the offspring possessing either the gates of his enemy or the gates of those who hate him and then she also being a prosperous nation so she was blessed uh, her womb was blessed to have tens of thousands to come from her womb, as well as Isaac already had the blessing through his father to be a nation of tens of thousands. So I think it's interesting that sometimes when we think about this relationally, that when God places us over things to, to possess nations and to possess things that he has called and ordained for us, normally our spouse will have that same type of blessing or that same type of anointing in their life. It's not gonna look exactly the same because of course, Isaac couldn't give birth to children. So of Rebecca's um, 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 positioning in this blessing would have been totally different, but that blessing was also contingent on her yes. So that tens of thousands, that children possessing the gates of your enemies had was contingent on the yes 
that she said out of her mouth and going with um, Abraham's slave. And so, you know, God um, sent his angel um, before him. And I believe that he settled the hearts and actually settled the heart of Rebecca in order to um, take on what God was calling them to take on so that the blessing could continue all the way. Like we said, this is a precursor to seeing Jesus Christ. But I just thought that that part was interesting. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And we, we see the woman of God there doing the multitasking action of watching children and being live with us on Facebook. Listen, I want to just take the opportunity, saints, to share with you that First Century Christ Church International Divinity College is uh, authentic. And we, we believe in authenticity. We're not going to be academically afflicted. We're going to flow in the spirit and bring real ministry to your life. We're going to give you real application of scripture. We're going to make theology part of discipleship. And that's what's key. And so um, as the pastor was sharing about these revelations, I'm going to digress a little bit into even the calling of Rebecca, because even as we do go on into chapter 24, we see that the person who was the matchmaker was not first thing. He was the top man in Moses, in Moses, in Abraham's house. He was he said his top man to do it. He didn't say, well, you know what? I'm not going to be around. My son going to have to figure it out. I had to figure it out. You know, my dad wasn't really there for me to help me in this spiritual movement. My son just going to have to figure it out. No, he determines to go get her a bride, get him a bride. And he's determined to send his best man to do it because he knows that it's a critical thing that needs to take place here. And even though he may not be around to see the blessing, he's going to do what's right before the will of God, even to the end. So he sends his best man to do it. And his best man is smart. The matchmaker is really smart guy, right? He says, you know what? I don't want to make the selection of my own wisdom now we live in a world now where matchmaking might not be so popular at least in the west this is first century christ church international we do have friends all over the world some parts of the world matchmaking still takes place but in the west for the most part we don't have a lot of matchmaking taking place we're picking our own brides and you might read this and say well the culture is different the mindset's different the whole lifestyle's different it doesn't really apply to me it's great Bible school knowledge. It's great Sunday school knowledge. It's great biblical knowledge, but really it has no bearing other than me just knowing the story of Abraham. But let's take this and make it typologically relevant to us today. So Abraham sends this matchmaker to pick a wife for Isaac. And this man doesn't want to do it in his own. He doesn't just go, I come from Abraham. I need to see the relatives of Abraham so I can pick a woman to be a wife. He had plenty of wealth, so he had a great dowry. I don't think anybody would turn it away. And he could have solved the problem, got him a relative, brought the relative back, and everything would have been great. As long as she's pretty, long as you know she's of his family, I'll have satisfied my request. But that's why he sent the best man, because what did this guy do? He actually didn't do that. This is what he did. He prayed. He was looking for a revelation. Women of God, how many of you are looking for a revelation? You single women of God, how many of you are learning from this and looking for a revelation? You single men of God, how many of you are looking for a revelation? You know, we read the life of the patriarch Abraham, and I think a lot of us know that we are kings and queens in the kingdom of God. We are princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. But do we carry ourselves like those? See, Abraham and Sarah were kings and queens in the kingdom of God, but they carried themselves as one. Do we carry ourselves in this stately form? I can't just marry anybody because I have a high calling in my life. I'm a patriarch. 
I'm a wife of a patriarch, or I'm a husband of a patriarch. I can't make a selection off of a natural thing, order my steps, and then listen to the ordered steps. So he, he prays and he asks for certain signs. He received those signs. Saints, you do have to read. Praise God, there's my daughter. <laughs> my daughter, Crystal. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Praise God, she's on the line. God bless her. Uh, amen. Amen. Uh, but right, we as disciples need to ask our God, ask God, order our steps, please, in the Lord. Order my steps in picking my mate because I have a high calling. How do I know? Because I'm a disciple. I'm born again. I'm a king and queen in the kingdom of God. And so this man prays. You might say, well, what's the details? Read the scriptures. We're not here to babysit you through the scriptures. All due respect. We're here to hit the highlights, stuff you might miss in the spirit. If you read it yourself, you'll get the background, how he prayed for certain signs and how Rebecca met those signs. And she met them so perfectly that he knew that God had picked her. So then he immediately approached her for the purpose of calling her to be the bride because it was ordained steps. You see, and how many of us in God look to have our steps ordained, even to the extent of getting married? And so he brings back this beautiful woman, okay, and he prepares for her to be married to Isaac. And what's also I find to be very, very interesting is that of all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the least. The least is written I'm hung over here again.
Okay, hello, hello everybody. Apostles having difficulties, but um, right now, like you were saying, talking about Rebecca, we were talking about um, we were discussing um, Isaac, and we were discussing the calling, and we were discussing how the calling was similar, similar, and how God um basically picked Rebecca as um Isaac's wife. I don't know. Can can I? Talk now? Those prayers by Pastor C are powerful. So anyway, <laughs> I'm going to pick up right where I left off. So we can see that the anointing that rested upon Isaac was so powerful. The anointing on Isaac was so powerful that there didn't need to be much written about him. Now, we know how much problems Jacob went through, right? And we even know to the extent the problems that Abraham went through. A lot of those problems happened, all due respect to our patriarchs and our great-great-grandparents, but we're talking in the spirit here. All those problems and the majority of those problems happened because of a lack of faith. Dips in their faith created complications that caused God to have to right the ship. Isaac does not appear, at least from biblical record, to have hardly any dips in his faith. God warned him immediately, don't go back to Egypt. He stayed clearly faithful to his wife. He obviously didn't pick up no concubines, then to some concubine issues, okay? And notice that Abraham, the covering over, the covering over Isaac, made Isaac's walk more prosperous than even that of his father. Isn't that what a father does, right? He desires that his children ascend to a greater power, to a greater authority. And before we release it for others to speak about the subject matter moving forward, or even historically, we're gonna release everyone to speak in the spirit as they see fit on the subject matter. I want to say that we are working to fix these technical difficulties. Uh, we do offer the college for free. We offer the Facebook pages for free. We offer the YouTubes for free, and we will continue to do so. Uh, so give us some time to work out these technical difficulties. We will streamline them. Have faith. Just be patient, okay? Um, we work in excellence, but we don't seek worldly polish, but we will get it all worked out. Amen? So just a really quick recap on this section. We're covering uh, Genesis chapter 23 to 25, and we haven't yet talked about the death of Abraham, so we're still leaving 25 yet to be covered. Up until now, what have we learned about God? We've learned that God was faithfully loving to Adam, that Adam failed in his faithfulness, and his failure of his faithfulness, he then made a promise, God made a promise to Adam's family that he would redeem them through a promised seed a promised heir, Genesis 3.15. And all we see now is the playing out of that promise. We see the playing out from Noah. We see the playing out from uh, uh, Abraham. And now we're about to see the playing out through Isaac. And it's very interesting, right, that when Isaac came back to see Rebecca, where was he? He was out in the field meditating in prayer. See, Isaac also had risked death, right, by almost being sacrificed. And so risking death, almost being sacrificed, we have to also understand that Isaac had a comprehension of the faithfulness of God because a knife almost came down on his chest 
before there was a ram in the thicket. So he had a lot of experience with God as a young man, which perfected his walk as he became an older man. Fathers, how are you doing with your sons and your daughters? Helping them to witness the faith of God's miracles in your life so that as when they get older, they have a smoother walk than you. Because how many times have we derailed from our faithfulness and inside that derailing, God has to run the ship with his faithfulness. So our faithlessness causes God to increase his faithfulness to rewrite us. So never think these Old Testament stories are somehow non-applicable to you. It's just pieces of tidbits of history. God is laying a supernatural foundation within your consciousness so that you can walk the walk of Isaac. He's covering you with the wisdom of the past. Abraham didn't have the wisdom of the past covering him. He had to do it all fresh. He had to bear the heat of the day. But we have all that covering. And so before we go on to discuss the death of Abraham, I'm going to open up again if, the, if Pastor C or Ernest would like to share on the subject matter. Any further? You're unmuted. Is Ernest talking? Is he trying to talk? All right, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. All right, cool. Yeah, guys, so now you see why when I went to go uh, to visit Church Philly last year, I didn't leave because how Pastor C was able to tie those two scriptures together. Um, basically, she's showing you that uh, these two individuals were equally yoked. It's funny how we, you know, started out looking at one thing and this has really turned into a marriage. Um, you see marriage in this. You see the marriage ministry and how the Lord works. There was one woman, Eve, that was it. It was it was a, a no-brainer, okay? I picked this woman, she right there, I ain't got nobody else. Abraham, he knew, okay, I got a covenant with God, I got to protect him. My, don't get me wrong, that's my boy Isaac. That's that's my boy. But I'm going to go ahead and take the lead on this. And I'm going to go ahead and, and, and find find him a wife. I'm going to send my man out there, but he's going to do a good job. And what the Lord is showing us is that he built this relationship. Like Apostle said, Isaac almost had the knife come down on his chest. So his relationship with the Lord is out of this world at what, 13, 14? He's already hit a level of, oh, okay, there is a guy. I need to talk to him. Let me learn about this covenant because my dad was going to kill me. Let me figure <laughs> with this thing out. Let me figure out who he is because my father has this ridiculous reference for him. And who is that other dude over there? What, what's going on with that? And why y'all sending him away? So he he knows, he's seen these things. So his level of uh, humbleness, his level of um, fear, his fear of the Lord is is real because he almost, he almost lost his life. Or so he thought. So I believe that in building relationship at the age of 13 that is why at the age of 40 it is easy for him to say yeah dad you go ahead and pick the wife and I, i'll be right here waiting and i trust you 
And that's where a lot of us fail in that relationship. We try to start at 31, 32. Like this took years. This took 27 years for him to get to this point. So we read it as, oh, it's chapter 23, chapter 24, chapter 25. No, it's I'm born. I got to be circumcised. I don't understand that. Knife in the chest. My brother, my, my half brother gone. Don't nobody like him. Um, now, all of a sudden, we got all these riches and we, we're looking at everybody. Why everybody else not living like this? There was a thing that God is building multi-level relationships here. So. I, I just think that's beautiful that we need to outline that and we need to look at this where marriage started and where it was. Like I said, Adam didn't have a choice. Boom. Abraham said, okay, you're going to pick yours for your son. Okay. This is how I'm going to do this. This is how I'm going to roll. And no, you can't pick a woman from here. Go back to my homeland and get the woman from there. So it's, I think that was deep and it was beautiful for how Pastor C brought that together. I didn't even realize that, um, uh rebecca they prayed over rebecca like the same it's the same prayer so you can see equally yoked equally yoked that was beautiful um ernest i love that and i think i think like like you said i think one thing that you said there is can you hear me yeah yeah can him yeah okay i think i think what's um i think that's I think that's beautiful. I think there's something that you mentioned there that is that is very noteworthy is that it was an honor there um, in reference to um, him honoring um, his father and letting his father pick a wife for him because I don't I don't believe that Isaac wasn't in the know because it was traditional. You know, that was a traditional thing. But I also think that we have to think about that. This was not really just honoring Abraham's choice. This is honoring Sarah's choice because Abraham didn't really care if he married a woman from um, the, 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 that that Canaanite group um, um, that was that they were around. That was really Sarah's wish. Sarah did not want him to be married to the culture that was around them at that time because she knew the culture, she knew um, what they had to offer and she knew um, the type of women that were coming from that culture. So she she asked her husband to promise her that, you know, you ain't gonna let our son marry none of these crazy women around here. You better don't, don't just promise me you ain't gonna do that. I don't care what you do. I don't care who you marry after me, but don't let my son marry none of these women. And so I think the beauty was is that the honor was passed down from you know, husband to wife. He honored his wife. He honored her wishes even after death. And then before he died, he honored that union that they had together by now allowing, um, by going to find a, a wife for his son from his homeland. And then I think it's something else to mention that Rebecca was just being Rebecca. She had an amazing character to start off with. She didn't have to water his camel. She didn't have to do all of those things that he was asking her to do. She was just being, she was just being herself. She was just being friendly. She was just being, um, she was just, she was just honoring who she was as a woman. And I think um, when we get, when we get preachy about it, I think the truth is how many women are just standing around being a woman, loving the Lord, being in relationship with God. And when you're introduced to your husband or when you're introduced to the opportunity to meet your husband, he meets you just being you. 
And a lot of us put on facades and we put on fakeness, but you got to think about what this man asked when he prayed. He prayed for a certain type of character. And when he met Rebecca, he was met with that character. He didn't ask that Rebecca start talking about God. He didn't ask that Rebecca announce herself as a, um, as, as a family relative or a person that was from his culture. He literally pulled up his camel and said, Lord God, this is the character that Isaac needs in a woman. And if I see a woman with this, with this character, I know that you have blessed my mission. But if I don't see a woman with this character, then you haven't blessed my, my mission. So specifically for Isaac, there was a certain type of character that the servant of Abraham was looking for, and she had that character, and she didn't have to fake it. And so I think that a lot of us as women and men of God is that we have to be in full relationship with God as in who we are, understanding our character, understanding who we are in Christ, living that relationship. And then when we come into relationship with someone else, we're already in full relationship with God, honoring God in our full character. So then those two equally yoked, those two blessings can now merge together because we'll walk in obedience. Her character was such that she was willing to walk in obedience when she knew that this man had come to make her a wife. She didn't, she didn't wait them 10 days. She was like, okay, bet. I'm out. Oh, Sarah, uh, Rebecca, you ready to go with him? Yeah, I'm ready to go. She had to have known. She had to have some understanding of Abraham's God for her to say, okay, I know this is of God. I was blessed by the family. It's time for me to roll out. And so it's her character that it's her character that stands out. And I think we have to understand that. Um, that man was looking for godly character in a woman, and he found that godly character, he found that type of character a woman that could um, hold her own. She she went out there and she wore them camels and she was a gorgeous woman. She didn't have to do it. They said she was beautiful. She didn't have to be out there watering nobody camels or helping nobody out. I mean, but she was out there like, you know what, bro, I'm gonna help you. Let me put this hair back and watch me work. You know what I'm saying? So we have to really think about her character and think about what that man of God was really searching for and what he received um, and what Isaac received. He received a woman that had... Um, godly character amen amen praise the lord can you guys hear me okay can you hear me yes okay excellent um so we have from hazel yes yeah, I can hear you now. oh you can hear me okay great yes but man takes advantage as women take advantage, even when you find that one person you think God sent you and it's not that person. And I like this because you see that. Every time an apostle get hyped, he'd be gone. I said, yes, but and man, take it. An unusual amount of errors here on my audio, but uh, on my audio and video. I'm going to leave the video down for a moment so I can speak onto the audio piece. Okay, you guys can hear me okay again. Yes, amen. So I like this question yeah, because yeah. that's the purpose. That's the purpose of going to Bible college. The purpose of going to Bible college is not so you can walk around with a piece of paper saying I have a divinity degree, okay? The purpose of 
um, going to Bible college is to gain wisdom for your life that you can then set an example as a disciple so that you as a disciple can then set example for other disciples and we can create an increased wisdom of the presence of Christ on earth. And that's the wisdom. So when you when you hear these kinds of questions, you say, yeah, you see, I wanted to try to do that, but I feel like it's not really working for me or it didn't work for me. I didn't yet. Uh, I, I, I thought I had it, but then I didn't really have it and I thought I saw it but I really didn't see it and um and she put another question up here and it says um, and they may have the same imitate as Sarah so the the point I was trying to make with this whole piece of these questions are the types of things that when you're inside ministry you should be learning so for you single folk who has struggling in relationships. For you married folk who feel like you might have done the right thing, it does require for you to go back into the word of God and say, you know, what didn't I see? What didn't I understand? Where was it my vision where it needed to be? Where was it my revelation skill where it needed to be? And then of course, unforeseen circumstances beset us all. Jacob was the cold man of God, but we know when he got around Laban, oh my goodness, how things went sideways. So it's not that everything is going to be perfect, because you've gained this wisdom, but it surely will be a lot better with this wisdom than without it. And that's why we're here. We're here to help you gain that wisdom and to gain that understanding. So I wanted to say something in reference to Hazel's question and also Jennifer, Jennifer put, you know, Proverbs 31 um, and she was talking about um, a woman being virtuous. And I think sometimes and I think that's what what Hazel's frustration is, is that, you know, I could imitate Sarah. I could imitate all these different women and still fall, you know, short in reference to relationship. Um, but I also think it's something to understand in reference to Proverbs, that Proverbs 31 virtuous woman is that what the part that we are supposed to imitate in reference to a Proverbs 31 woman is that we are supposed to do well with the things that God places in our hands. Because Proverbs 31 wasn't a checklist of what women needed to do in order to be virtuous. What Proverbs 31 was a, a mother telling her son about a virtuous woman that she knew. And basically the story about this virtuous woman is that everything God gave her, she was a good steward over and she gave it back to God. So wh whether you have little or you have much, you steward it well. Whether you have a relationship or you don't have one, whether you're married or you're not married, you steward what God has given you well. In Rebecca's situation, it was camels. She was virtuous because she came in with a great attitude. She helped this man and she stewarded well over the water by giving that water to his camel to his camels to make sure that everybody that he was comfortable understanding that this man had a need um and you you had the same thing with sarah sarah stewarded her 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 marriage correctly with her husband walking in faith with him and these were the things that were placed on her hands because everybody's not called out to follow their husbands to a place that they don't know um and so you have to think about when we think about proverbs 31 we have to stop wearing it as a checklist and if we put it as a checklist then that means every woman has to have her own business every woman has to have children every woman has to have a husband that's in the courts raving about her that's not the case what it is is saying be a good steward over what god has given you that woman got up in the morning the first thing she did was give praise to god and then began to steward accordingly to the wisdom given to 
to her by God. And so that's what we have to understand when we think about a lot of these scriptures. These scriptures aren't always checklists. They're basically for us to understand, dissect and say, hey, how can I now apply that to my life? What is the overarching understanding of this scripture? And she was a good steward over what God had given her. That is where her virtue was. Her virtue was not in her sinlessness. Her virtue was not in what she did right or did wrong. Her virtue was in the fact that she submitted everything to God from the time she woke up and her day was according to what God had prepared for her. And she walked in that according to the will of the Lord, being a good steward. And that's what we as women and men of God need to do. We need to steward our lives correctly in alignment with God, what God is calling over our lives in every single season. So if you are in a season of singleness, steward correctly. If you are in a sing, um, season of marriage, steward correctly. If you are in a season and you're a single mother and you just happen to be a single mother, steward correctly. Your virtue is not attached to whether you're married or not married. Your virtue is not attached to your past sin. Your virtue is attached to your submission and relationship with Jesus Christ and how you steward that relationship. Praise the Lord. Amen. And that's exactly how um, it should be done. And so I appreciate that we are actually powerful panel up here of souls that are determined to get God's word and his will out. And I want to just say, saints, again, and I know I'm kind of harping on it, and I was thinking about editing this video, but I'm not. I'm going to leave it just the way it is and, and, and you know, with the technical difficulties and what have you. And the reason why is because I find a lot in the body of Christ now, instead of embracing the stewardship principle that Pastor C is talking about, we're all looking for perfect polish. And then when the polish don't come out perfect, we're ready to fall apart completely. But that's not the way it's supposed to go down. The way it's supposed to go down is you're stewarding the circumstance the best that the circumstance can be stewarded under the anointing you possess. And so we're going to steward the circumstances of these struggles right here. And we're going to steward up the we possess. And, and, and so I want to emphasize that point. And, and then I also want to digress. I'm not digressing because I want to change the subject. I'm trying to give you a three-dimensional view of two-dimensional page. As we focus on this part, let's also look at the behavior of her brother, Rebecca's brother, Laban. We're going to read about him later as he deals with Jacob. And we can see he had a good eye for the money, <laughs> even back then. You see, a Laban had a knowledge. Jacob didn't just go see Laban and Laban knew nothing about Abraham. Laban remembered all the wealth Abraham had. Laban remembered all the blessing that was on Abraham's life because Laban remembers when his sister was sent to marry Isaac. Okay. And remember they, in the beginning, you know, when the word of God came down on them, they're like, we can say nothing. It's God. But soon as all the wealth got handed out, a little time went by. Next thing you know, wait 10 days. What happened to yesterday when y'all said it was all of God and you could go? Now today, you like wait 10 days. And, and, and the steward, again, he said his wisest chief steward, he said, no, 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 no. Please, let me go back to my master. We agreed on me leaving today. Let's go with what we agreed on. But you can see Laban, he received part of that wealth and the mother received part of that wealth. Makes you wonder whether Laban and the mother were kind of kindred spirits, right? So we know Laban was into the cash. So by the time Jacob gets to the scene, Laban already has a preconceived notion what he has his hands on. 
And he's not anxious for Jacob to leave because he didn't want the chief steward to leave. This is my second chance at tapping into Abraham's wealth. So when you read the scriptures about can, can when you you want to speak on this, Pastor K, Pastor C. We can't I hear just you. I want to interject okay. right there in that little moment. Go can ahead, you hear go me? Ahead. Yeah. Can you hear me? I just want to interject right there because I know you about to blow the rest of this out the box. But this is this is the this is what I love about what you said is that Laban. So Jason says on here in the comments, he says, "Yes, what I noticed, which I didn't catch the first time reading this, is that Rebecca's family knew the Lord, and maybe that's why Abraham would prefer Rebecca, right?" So what you're saying here is that they understood the blessing of God and what that looked like because they knew the Lord. So when you talk about how Jacob came back and he was like, because it, it was like he knew, oh, this, this young boy got a blessing on him because I remember the blessing of God when he came the first time. And I just had to say that because sometimes we think just because, you know, we come from families of faith. The, the thing is, wolves come out of families of faith because they know how to recognize the blessing. That was a characteristic of Satan. Satan attacked the blessing. He knew who was blessed. He knew the characteristics of being blessed. So I just I just thought that that was dope that you even pointed that out. And I was like, well, how would they know he still got the same wealth? It wasn't even just the wealth. It was the fact that we know God and we know Abraham was blessed and we know Isaac was blessed. Oh, so for sure, Jacob blessed. Praise the Lord. And, and that's what's powerful. So um, and that's that's the point is that when you read the scriptures and you study the scriptures and you start to get in and listen, this is a four year program. We're not telling you got to take the four year program. You might just be plugging in just to listen in. Amen. Praise God. Be blessed. Freedom to come. Freedom to go. But as you go, you're going to find your knowledge of the word of God takes place in layers. You're not going to go through the word of God one time and get everything. You're not going to go through the word of God two times and get everything. God is supernaturally connected to his word, and he will supernaturally reveal stuff to you that you didn't know before when you go over it again. That's why the Bible says study the word to show yourself approved. You're studying and restudying and restudying and restudying because at every level of study becomes another level of relationship another level of wisdom. I happen to know Brother Jason, he's a pretty learned man in the Lord, yet he's picking up some greater wisdom by passing through the word of God again. And so each time you pass through the word of God, you're going to get this another layer of wisdom is going to get released. So you might have missed it because, of course, you read it in the Abraham, Isaac, Sarah story. By the time you get to the Jacob story, you're not sure that it was the same Laban, but it was the same Laban. And yes, he was already cued in on the wealth of Abraham and he was already cued in on the blessing of Abraham, which is why he gave a Leah first and then gave a uh, um, Rachel second and then tried to swindle him to stay. Because listen, we lost the chief servant the first time. We ain't losing Jacob. And so the reality is that when we start to put these pieces together, we do start to get supernatural wisdom. And then we are able to avoid certain circumstances in our lives. Saints, how many of you through your walk in God and through your study of the word won't make mistakes that you made before because you've elevated to another level of spiritual glory? Amen. And that's what First Century Christ Church, uh, First Century Christ Church International Divinity College is about, helping you reach another level of glory through intimate study of the word of God. If you're here just for a piece of paper, this probably isn't going to be the school for you.
And we have one last section to cover, which is the death of Abraham. But before we do that, I want to just stop to say this. Saints, absorb this time. My pastor C has got a very powerful anointing. Ernest Jones has another very powerful anointing. I'll let my anointing speak for itself. I personally have never seen any movement like this in a so-called academic collegiate context where you're going to cover the material and go into the anointing. Like I said earlier, I see a lot of people going into the anointing, quote unquote, in spiritual revelatory, but I don't see a lot of the theological pieces. Then I see a lot of the theological pieces and it's introduced as dry text. So then it's left to you to see it actuated. It's left to you to see the discipleship application. And a lot of times there's a huge disconnect between the discipleship application and the information. And so embrace this time in the Lord. Embrace this time in the Lord. And all I'm really going to add on to the death portion of, of Abraham, which is a very interesting point, I think it was originally brought up by Ernest in a previous session, is that Ishmael was there. Ah, yes, the one who had been sent away, the one who would be sort of like a he-goat of a man, and his head would be against the world, and the world's head would be against him, and he would be a father of many nations, but they would not be able to subdue him, neither would they be able to completely conquer him. And yet he was there at the death of the father. So him and Isaac came back together at the memorial ceremony. Okay. And then you also hear about the different, the different fatherings of Abraham. Right. So we know that he was actually the father of the Midianites. The Midianites who actually gave at Moses his first wife, who ultimately then also got cursed because they knew the God of Abraham and they knew the God of Abraham couldn't be defeated so they screwed up the people so that they could quit so that the, their enemies could get victory you say what are you talking about stay with the class you'll learn but why I'm giving you these futures is to give you an understanding that these stories have rich foundation as uh, uh Tibonet like to say this stuff gets juicy, <laughs> okay? Uh, it can get really juicy from the standpoint of being very dramatic, a lot of drama going on on the scenes. Drama that matches the same drama we face on the scenes today with all the history that we have with our family members and our church family members and our spiritual family members. And how do you deal with those situations? Like what Hazel was saying, but I, I know it's Crystal. That's my daughter. Her name is Crystal, but she went by Hazel. I'm gonna leave that. The point I'm saying, well, she's also known by Hazel, but I know her as Crystal. Um, the thing is that a lot of drama we experience is in the Bible. How do you deal with it? I don't know. How did they deal with it in the Bible? How did it turn out based on the way they dealt with it? So much to learn, so much to gain. But there Abraham at his death, Isaac shows back up. And then, I mean, excuse me, excuse me, Ishmael shows back up. And there's Ishmael and Isaac burying their dad. I'm going to release it to Ernest and the pastor if they want to impart any part on that chapter as well. Does anybody have any reference to this they'd like to speak on? Oh, I'm sorry.
I don't have anything to add to that. I felt like that was just a bomb that was dropped on me when I was just like, yo, I done read this so many times. I mean, done read it so many times. And this is goes back to what Apostle says, how you learn in layers. So one season, God gives you revelation to one thing, and then you hold on to that until the next season when God gives you deeper revelation on that thing. And so we talk about the death of Abraham so many times, and we always forget to mention Ishmael. We always mention Isaac was there, but we forget that Ishmael was there too. And so for them to be able to come over, I also think that is like a shared mourning, even though we are separated, even though, you know, we don't even really get along, even though, um, we um, have two different promises on our lives. We still came together for the death of our father. I think that also had to go to show how much Abraham loved Ishmael as well. Um, and, and I think that is interesting to note because it never once said that, uh, not David, but it never once said that Abraham did not love both his sons. He loved all of his sons, even all the ones he had with his concubines and all of that stuff. He loved all his sons. He just knew that one was came with the promise that was with Sarah, but he loved his son Ishmael just as much. And so um, I just think that that is something that we should think about and what type of relationship they had to have for him to show up side by side with his brother and bury their father. I think, I, I just think that was very interesting. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ernest, did you have something you want to share? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, it's important to go through with, because we see these small nuggets, kind of like how we saw with Lot. You know, he, hid off in the caves and you know hid from the people I, i'm sure i've read that before but i just skimmed over it and like pastor sia said i'm sure i read that ishmael came back but i just skimmed over it and to see like Pastor C said them come together like all right we had our differences but we're gonna come, come together and we're gonna do this um and we we still gonna go our separate ways after this but for this one time we're gonna come together I just thought that was powerful. And obviously, um, it, it really meant something for it to make it into. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And, and um, you know, uh, I was very touched by a lot of the comments that were in the, the sidebar there. And, and for those of you who are theologically influenced, who really came on here, like, okay, I'm going to go through the Bible in a year. You're going to teach me about the story of Adam. You're going to teach me about the story of Monoa. You're going to teach me about all these biblical stories. You're going to teach me all the, the books. And I'm going to master my Bible. Well, I don't want to bust your bubble, but you won't master your Bible till you see Jesus in heaven. You're going to be always learning. What we're trying to do is just help you fill in the gaps and get you started on a righteous path of study if you're not or if you're already on a righteous path of study we're just here to help you get a rather greater illuminating wisdom in the righteousnesses of god and understand that this school is going outside of the technical difficulty it's going exactly as i had envisioned uh pastor c and pastor ak had decided to come along to be students and i'm like students 
you got to be out of your mind. You're going to be up here on a panel with us. Um, you know, Ernest has been my right hand in this ministry movement as well. And he's like, you know, I'm somewhat intimidated. I said, Ernest, don't be intimidated. It's not, it doesn't, the wisdom doesn't originate with man. It originates through the power of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who have not seen the orientation, you really need to see the orientation because those of you who have a schooling background, you're going to be, don't come here with that schooling background expectation because it's not going to get met. We're going to meet an even greater need in your life beyond the schooling background. So don't get something I like to refer to as familiarity disease, which is you become so familiar with the polish of school that you lose out on the wisdom of what happens when you make school real life. Because discipleship is real life. Discipleship is not learned in a classroom. Discipleship is the experience you have as you act out your real life as a disciple. That's discipleship. This is the homework. Your life is the classroom. Get it straight. You might think this is the classroom and then you have your life and we give you homework. No, 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 no. This right here is the homework. The classroom is how you deal with your life. And my daughter, Kristen, put up and said, amen. I learned the hard way. Thank you. Thanks to you and God. And, um, you know, I'm not going to give her testimony. It's not my place. But me and her did lock heads on decisions that she made in relationship. And I was trying to give her wisdom. And she's like, you're in my way. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to really be in your way. Anybody knows my daughter. You can't get in her way anyway. <laughs> so, but then she says, you know what? I'm learning the hard way. I, I, I wanted to do it my way. And I did it my way, but I learned. And praise God, I learned the hard way too. Nobody could tell me nothing when I was younger. I did what I wanted to do. Married four times, okay? So some people might want to condemn me for that. I'll tell it's between me and God. But I got married four times. I learned the hard way because people tried to tell me certain things. And I didn't want to listen. You see what I'm saying? And I'm sure and, and I look at the laughter on Ernest's face <laughs> and I see the, the, the seriousness on Pastor C's face. And I'm sure they can tell you some aspect of their life. They also learn some things the hard way. OK, but Isaac was wise. Right. And he didn't want to learn things the hard way. So he decided to listen to his daddy. And we hear very little about him. The church in Berea wanted to make sure they knew that Paul was right. They wanted to not have to learn the hard way. They wanted mentorship in wisdom. Now we don't see letters to the church of Berea in the Bible, even though there were letters to the church of Berea. They didn't make the scriptures, but two letters to Thessalonica did. And they were considered of lesser character, less noble. So this is all about supernatural character. If you get one thing out of this, which is an increased character of God, you're much, much, much better off. So before we close here today for lesson five, uh, I want to alert everyone that we're here every Sunday at 1.15 to give you some transparency. Me and potentially Pastor C and Ernest. Pastor C has a church to run, so she's not always here. Sometimes she's Pastor AK. Sometimes we're blessed with both of them. Praise God. Ernest and me will be here. Um, and we will do this same thing throughout the entire Bible, cover out every section of the Bible so that by the end of the year, you'll have went through the whole word of God. Anybody who wants to be part of the class, if, my, if Pastor Jen could put up the email address so I can share it, you can go to this email address that we're going to provide you. And all you have to do is say, I want to enroll. 
and we will set you up for a enrollment. We'll send you the welcome letter. We'll connect you to the YouTube page. We'll show you the orientation and you can get well on your way to at least this first part, which is a diploma in Bible Institute. So this would be a, a, a Bible history diploma that you'd receive in the first year. If you did decide to go on to the second year, you'll get an associates. The third year, you get a second associates. And in the fourth year, you end up with a bachelor's in divinity. Anybody interested in actually having a actual state accreditation, we do have an affiliation with another college that is state accredited. You'd let me know at what point in your walk, in your movement with us that you'd like to make sure that you get the accreditation and we'll make sure you take the supplemental courses that he might require in uh, the, uh, the Life College to get accreditation and it is a state accredited college and you will then get a state accredited degree. Um, divinity degrees, accreditation for divinity degrees, I don't think have the greatest value as they might have with secular degrees. But if that's something you want, you can surely get it. Just all you have to do is email us at fccci.dc at gmail.com and request to enrollment. And it is completely free. The only thing you're paying for is your books. And I think the total cost of the books is under 25 bucks. So anybody who wants. Also, I'm going to ask saints, please share the link for the church. Well, we say church, but save the link for the school to your page. This way you give other people an opportunity to join the school as well. Okay. We're not necessarily trying to inculcate people to be our ministry, but we are offering the education completely for free for anybody in any ministry. Also, if you're looking for a church, Church Philly, I recommend Church Philly. I think you know you were blessed today by Pastor C. I believe that we all need to seek a righteous remnant discipleship-like covering and authenticity and, and organic authenticity. And I believe that their ministry carries that spirit upon them. Amen. Um, before we close out, I'm going to let Ernest have his final words. And then Pastor C, you can give your final words and close us out for the day. Praise God. Um, I just want to say, man, thank you guys. Thank you for this opportunity to be on here. Like I said, every time it's a lot of unlearning um, and, and, and reprogramming and restructuring and rewiring in my brain. So thank you so much for this. Um, final words. What we can see here, um, Adam, like I said before, Adam really didn't have a choice. So it's very easy. And I'm, a lot of us say, well, what are we supposed to do in today's time? And I feel like the Lord was showing us that in this scripture, um, as far as when it comes, when it goes to picking a wife, um, he was showing us this is how, this is how it was supposed to be done. Um, that's the, that's the example that we were supposed to follow the Isaac and Abraham situation. Um, so I just want to leave y'all with that. Um, I think it was beautiful that both families were praying for the same thing um, and, and, and their union. So I, I, I and you can see that's why Isaac is not he's he's mentioned with the forefathers, but like like Apostle said, he's not talked about a whole lot because he he didn't like the Bereans. He didn't have a whole bunch of mischief or downfalls and things like that. So. Okay, here we go. We unmuted. Um, <laughs> so I just, I just want wanted to say that I think this was an amazing recap. 
Um, and I really think that you can call this part the relational, the relational chapter, because everything in these chapters really talked about relationship. You know what I mean? It was really talked about um, how we maneuver in relationship, um, how we choose relationship, what is the character or purse of a person before they come into relationship, what anointing, what an anointing looks like on a relationship. And so it, I, I, I want to stress again that this may not be your particular story, but there are nuggets in this story when you walk out on relationship that you should take and apply to your life. And I think one of those things is that um, your virtue comes from your stewardship. Rebe Rebecca stewarded well. Um, the anointing and calling on your life uh, and, and on your spouse's life um, comes from a place of honor. Um, and so we think about we should honor our heavenly father and who we um, decide to go get as a wife or a husband and what that honor looks like. And in the Bible, that honor looked different um, with plenty of different people. But make sure that you're honoring the wishes of your father like Abraham. And um, so I, and, and then um, finally, what I think about is that um, what will be your response to that relationship? What will be your response? Will you respond in a way that allows the blessing and the promise that is supposed to come to through those relationships flourish? And that was the beauty of Rebecca and Isaac. Their relationship flourished because they honored the promise that were on both of their lives. And so I think that you don't hear much about Isaac because him and um, Rebecca had a certain type of obedience that came with their relationship that honored God, that what we find out allows for, um, you know, the rest of the generations to continue to flourish. So I just think there are some things that we just need to take from here, some nuggets and apply to our lives. And I just think that this was a beautiful recap. And I think as a pastor, this is the relational book. <laughs> this is the relational chapters. <laughs> Praise um, pastor. And if you could take us home in prayer as well, please. Okay. Father God, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for um, First Century Christ Church International. I want to thank you for this divinity school. Lord knows that it is a blessing to many for us to be able to dive deeply into the word of God with clear instruction, with clear wisdom, with clear historical content, with clear theology, but also with your Holy Spirit, being free to move and understand the word beyond the pages, Lord God, beyond the black and white, beyond what we just know in history and also make it relative to our lives today. Lord God, I just want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for who you are over the apostle and um, pastor's wife. Um, the, I'm sorry, over the apostle William's um, life and over Pastor Jen's life, Lord God. I want to thank you for their relationship separately with you, but I also want to thank you for the oneness that they bring to this to this world, Lord God, and, and, and establishing your kingdom, Lord God. Just continue to establish it and walk in it, Lord God. So I just want to thank you for the both of them. I will ask that you increase the blessings and in, in, in the fullness of their marriage, Lord God, as walking into ministry and being married is not an easy task. But Lord God, I ask that just like Isaac and Rebecca, Lord God, that 
they say yes, Lord God, and they continue to say yes and walk in the authority that God has given them in the blessing, knowing that there is a yoking that's there that's needed for the kingdom of God. So I thank you, Lord God, for our brother Ernest. Lord God, I thank you for everything that you're doing through him in this season, the unlearning and the relearning, Lord God, the breaking and the molding, Lord God, to make him the powerful man of God you are going to make him, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for the anointing on his life. I thank you, Lord God, for the obedience that he is walking in. Lord God, I ask that you just continue to groom him and give him strength, Lord God. Give him a spirit of discernment that is heightened, Lord God, understanding what seasons he should walk and what seasons he should sit down, what seasons he should run, and Lord God, what seasons he should fall at your feet in peace. And so I just thank you, Lord God. Cover the church Philly. Cover all of the people who are watching today. Um, and are learning from this divinity school and continue to cover the pastors and um, the pastor and apostle, Lord God, who runs this divinity school and give them the resources that they need and the finances that they need to continue to do this thing for free, Lord God, because we know it pleases you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. So this will end our broadcast for today. We're Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on a Zoom. We're Sundays at 1 p.m. 1 15 p.m here okay so again anybody interested in participating please just email us and we will from your email address begin the process of engaging you into the school even if you just want to audit and you want to keep track of what's going on you could email us and we'll help you with that as well everything we receive freely we give freely be blessed and we hope to see you tonight, tonight at 12 o'clock. There is going to be a powerful prayer. Can we put up the Instagram location for the prayer tonight? Yes. And tonight is actually me and Apostle. We'll be praying. <laughs> so, God. so if my wife, so the church Philly, right? The Instagram is just the church Philly Instagram. The church Philly Instagram. So say yes. if you've got time tonight, that 12 o'clock prayer is powerful. Until we see you again, have a great night.